join me in prayer? God, you are a great God. And with your message of hope, use us. Use us as your hands and feet to draw people to you, to connect people to you. As we serve and give and, and live life together, may you show up. May your kingdom show up. And may our hearts be exposed for loving you. In your name we pray. Amen. Weird, weird confession to you real quick. As I was praying, I try to pray with my clo- eyes closed. There's nothing biblical about that, but I, I do. And I heard those footsteps. My greatest fear as a pastor is someone like bum rushing the stage and attacking me. And I heard those steps. And I'm like, I wanted to stop praying and see who that was. Don't leave when I'm, my eyes are closed, Madison. Your feet are loud. You're fast, but loud. Um, and that's why my elders sit up close because they know that they take a bullet for me. If anyone comes home, they know. They know that now. So, yeah. all right. So, hey, we haven't done this in a while um, um, because we got rid of the tables. And so we haven't had a lot of table talk, but still we have tables. And so there are tables designed for you. And in the middle, there's 10 chairs and two tables and you do the math. But what I want to do for a moment is uh, have a, a, a moment of table talk, a chance for you to get with your neighbor and talk to him and, 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 and be, uh, be friends and, and communicate in a way here. Um, we're talking about significant moments in our life today, significant moments in our journey. So I want you for a moment to think of some trail markers, some journey moments, things that you look back on and say, that was a moment in my life where things changed. Good, bad, whatever it was, things changed. So maybe it's uh, your high school graduation or your first kiss or uh, birth of a child. Uh, maybe you lost a friend or your, your first job, your first career job or, or your wedding day. What are some things that you look back on and you can remember as a moment in where life was different? Something changed for you. Take a moment, think about it, introduce yourselves and just chat. Share one of those moments and we'll come back. Okay, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully most of you had a chance, hopefully most of you had a chance to share. If not, um, that's why we have small groups. Um, join a small group. You can all get a chance to talk, share your moments. Uh, as a follower of Christ, I can look back at my journey. I can look back and remember throughout my faith Significant moments for me. Life-changing moments I had. And in the Old Testament, the people of God, they had these traditions and these celebrations where they could look back on what God has done in their life. And these traditions were supposed to be moments that perhaps changed their life. But, we, but when we read Psalms, chapter 40, or Psalms 40, we see that God didn't care about the moments as much as he cared about the heart behind it. And in the New Testament, when it comes to tradition or practices, uh, we see Jesus command really just two things. First is communion, right? We see in the gospel uh, where Jesus is sitting at the table with his disciples and he breaks the bread and he says, take this in remembrance of me. He pours out the wine and says, this is my blood that is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the second thing that he, he, he kind of instills or he says, this is what I want you to do is, is baptism. So Matthew chapter 28, we're going to read that again. Matthew chapter 28. Just going to read verses 19 and 20. It says this. Therefore, go and make disciples. Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. 
And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus is with his disciples. He's, uh, this is post-resurrection. Um, he's telling them, hey, this is what I want you to do. I want you to do these things. These, like the sacrifices in the Old Testament, where the law would say that these are significant things. You, you should do these. These are significant things. It was the heart that made them significant. The law said they were, but it was the heart that made them. And so we're going to talk about baptism. Baptism is a real thing. Jesus told us to do it. The literal thing. It's not just an idea, but literally be baptized. The problem is, is for many of us, we don't really understand what it represents. Or we don't fully understand why we should be baptized. Tons of questions come. These are questions you may have, like, why should I? Should I, should I, uh, should I have my infant or my child baptized? If I was baptized as an infant, do I need to do it again? How do I get baptized? Is there a right or wrong way to do it? Is it required for salvation? How do I know when to do it? Do I have to do it right after salvation? Do I need to do it more than once? Does anyone have answers to all those questions? Anyone here? Raise your hand. This is awesome. You know why? Because we all have questions about baptism. That means we're all in the same boat. That means none of you here are the odd man out, right? There's nothing wrong with you. It's okay to have questions. If you have all the answers, you're definitely at the wrong church and you're free to go. But for the rest of us who don't have all the answers, as we begin this conversation of baptism here, I need us to all do one thing, to begin to strip away what we think we know, what we think we've been taught, what we think we heard before. This message is going to be a little bit different than what you're used to. It's going to be more lecture style in hopes of answering some questions you might have. So I want you to take notes, grab a pen. I filled the back of your bulletin with fill in the blanks. There's no room for your grocery list. I found one of those a couple weeks ago. (laughs) You were having um, blueberry cobbler uh, that week and it sounded amazing. Um, but you probably forgot the ingredients because they were on your bulletin that you left here. So, Matthew 28. <laughs> the guilty party's over there. <sighs> sugar, I needed sugar, I forgot. All right, Jesus is with his disciples in Matthew 28, right? He's resurrected, he's telling them, this is what you're supposed to do when I'm gone. And so he gives them the great commission. And he says, therefore, go, right? And Christians, we, we love what comes before the therefore in Scripture. We love the fact that Jesus tells us that we have his authority now to go. We just don't like the go and make disciples part of it because it kind of sounds like work, right? When Jesus gives us a bunch of information and then he says, therefore, he wants us to do something. He expects us to do something with what became before the therefore. And wrapped up in the Great Commission is this call to do life together. It's not just discipleship. It's not just evangelism. But both those things happen within the context of real life. We are called to do life together, live in community, love each other. That is discipleship. And we know that discipleship is not a class or a weekend retreat. Paul said that we are to work out our salvation. It's a process. In John 14, Jesus says, a new command I give to you. Love one another the way I love you. 
you will be known as my disciples by the way you love each other. That's how they'll know you're my disciples. And so let's look at baptism and see if we can come up with some of these answers. First, baptism is God's idea. There are a whole bunch of things we do as a church that are not God's idea. The decor, I bet he loves it, not his idea. The stage, the the style of music that we play, the the fact that we meet at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings, those are cultural ideas. You won't find uh, anything we do like that in the early church. Baptism, however, was not man's idea. It started with God. It was a huge part of who Jesus was. And then Jesus tells us to do it. Second thing is that Jesus was our example. To be a disciple of Christ means to follow in his footsteps, right? We do what he has done. Disciples, they follow the footsteps of their rabbi. And something beautiful about Jesus is that he never asked us to do anything he didn't do himself. God said that I love you so much that I'm going to put skin on and I'm going to send Jesus to live among you, to live among the poverty, to, to sleep outside, to walk through this life just like you. And so then in Matthew 3, we, we find and we read the story of, of Jesus being baptized. Now, John, John was there and he's John the Baptist is telling people to repent and be baptized. But he was also telling them that there was one who was yet to come. And when he comes, his baptism will mean more. It will mean something completely different. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up on the scene, right? Matthew chapter 3, if you want to turn there. I think, I think it would be pretty cool if you were doing something for Jesus. And then Jesus shows up and he wants you to do that same thing for him, right? I think it'd be pretty humbling, right? If he shows up in the midst of you doing that. I think it would be pretty cool. And for some reason, I have this image in my head of Jesus showing up at downtown trick-or-treat, right? He's standing in the hot dog line and he's coming and he, and he gets one and he, and he opens it up and he's like, Nathan. Yeah, he's like, I prefer, I, I prefer Hebrew national, but, you know, Hebrew. But, and then fist bump, right? You know, he's like, good. And then he just disappears, right? He's happy and pleased with what we're doing. So Matthew 3, 13. I expect someone in a Jesus costume on Halloween in the hot dog line. Uh, Matthew 3, uh, chapter th- uh, verse 13 says this. And Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. Here's what's happening here. John had his agenda. John had his idea of how the story was supposed to go. How the story was supposed to unfold. And Jesus says, John, I want you to baptize me. And John's like, nope. He's like, no. He's like, listen, Jesus, you're supposed to baptize me. And by the way, Jesus, where's, where's the fire? Where's the chariots? Where's the army that you're bringing to take out Rome? And Jesus is like, John, this is the way it's got to happen. You have to understand I have a better way. And this is what Jesus is saying to John. He says, you need to lay it down, man. There is something bigger going on here. John, let it go. 
Lay your agenda down. Lay your doctrine down. Lay your rights down. I have a better way. And this is where I'm constantly fighting God. I want to do it my way. I know it's right. I I read it in the scripture. Jesus shows up and he says, man, lay it down. There's a better way. My way is better. So not only is his idea and he was our example to it, but it's a symbol of our baptism today. New baptism meant new posture towards God. The reason behind Jesus telling John to baptize him was to show a posture of humility. It was a word picture. Jesus was saying that I've I've come to serve, not be served. The first must be last. New command to love others as I loved you. I'm going to let you baptize me, John, because scripture is being fulfilled through me. And this act was separating Jesus from the Pharisees and the other religious leaders. He was taking a posture of humility, a posture of a servant. He was also being revealed as a son of God. The next verse. says, as soon as John, uh, Jesus was baptized, he went up, up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now, Jesus had been revealing himself to the disciples uh, with these signs and these, these wonders earlier. But every time he would say, be quiet, don't tell anyone about this. But this baptism moment, this journey moment was Jesus' coming out party. He was revealing to the public who he was. And it's the same for you and I when we're baptized. We are revealing publicly who we're following. Jesus was identifying himself with humanity. We know John's baptism was for the repentance and the forgiveness of sins. But Jesus had no sin. So this must have been symbolic, right? Jesus was taking on our sin as he took on our humanity. So that 2,000 years, 2015, we can now identify with him, with what he did. The fourth point was uh, that he communicates. When we do this, we're, we're communicating trust and obedience in three ways. First is identification. We identify him uh, with him in spirit and in the body. If in the early church there, there was a way that you identify with other believers, it was baptism. Being a follower of Christ and not being baptized would have made no sense because that is what you did. I'm a child of God. So you got baptized. I I have put my faith in Jesus. You got baptized. And you did it in front of all humanity. Baptism represents the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. In our sin, we are dead. We go under the water as a sign of burial. And then we come out of the water into new life. This is why some churches require water baptism uh, before membership. Because this is how you identify with the body of Christ, the church. It's also a profession of our faith. There's a verse that says, if you deny me before man, I will deny you before my father. And Christians love to misuse and abuse that passage as a way to burden people or to drive fear in them. But let's be honest. If you come to faith and you were to say, pastor, uh, 
what am, what am I supposed to do? What, what, what's one thing I could do to tell the world that I've come to faith, that I'm now a follower of Christ? What's, what can I do? I'd probably be quiet, rub my beard, think, and say, baptism. Hey, baptism, that's, that's the way. That's the way we do it. We're telling the world that we're a part of the body of Christ. You've heard me say this before, that baptism is an outward expression of an inward decision. And that's what it is. It truly is that. It's an outward picture of what is happening inside your heart. And it also communicates submission with Jesus, with his way, and with each other. Man, and we struggle with submission. Submission is like a Christian swear word, right? Because I have my submit. I have to submit my will, my plan, my agenda, my rights. I got to submit that. But when we get baptized, we're submitting to Jesus, saying, I'm following you. We're submitting to his way because that's what he did and told us to do. And then we're submitting to each other. We're identifying with the body of Christ, the church. But still, some of us refuse to get baptized. And maybe it's because we're embarrassed or or afraid. I don't know what it is. But my dream, my, my hope is that if anything as a church, we are this. Honest and vulnerable with each other. Listen, if you, if you want a perfect pastor, I promise you, you're at the wrong church, right? I need to be able to say that I, I'm not sure about something. I'm not sure about this. I, I don't get this. I'm, I'm working through this. We must value that as a community. And baptism communicates submission to each other. We're identifying with Jesus' body, his way, and with one another. Because being a Christ follower is not about a conversion, and then you just live your life as normal. Although that happens. But it has to be more than that. Following Christ has to mean more than that. Your faith is lived out in community. It's personal. It's not private. But here's a confession of mine. I don't know if you're like me in this, but sometimes I sit back and I wonder, how far along on this journey am I? You know, where am I at? This journey of faith seems like a circle at times. I I feel like I'm getting somewhere and then I'm right back where I started. You know, I want to know where I am with God. I want to know if I've made progress. Where are the the trail markers or the mile markers of my faith? Does anyone else wish there was a map or a checklist to faith? Anyone? A few of you, right? I have an idea right here. Great idea here. What if we got badges, right? That we we could earn and we could wear to church, right? You know, we come in on Sundays with the badges that we earned over the weekend. Like you're walking down through Greek time. You're like... Ooh, lust control. That must have been hard. Congratulations, right? Or, or, or patience. I can't wait till I earn patience, right? You know I mean? We're, we're working on these badges, right? But wait. They had a list. The law was the list, right? Jesus was the fulfillment of the list. He said we don't chase the law anymore. We love one another. We don't pursue the list anymore. We chase after Jesus. So you remember how I asked you about those moments on your journey. Which, which ones do you remember? Baptism is God's gift of a moment for you. And it should be a significant moment. Your baptism should be a signpost on your journey. Saying, look, look where you've gone. Look where you made, man. Look where you were before this. And I cannot explain it to you. But I can only say this. That baptism has the power To unlock power for you. Why? I don't know. I just said I can't explain it, right? But maybe it's the act of submission. 
Maybe you're finally fully submitting to God. It was the last thing you were holding on to. But maybe now you're following his steps. You're identifying with him. And Jesus clearly told us to do this. Turn with me to 1 Peter. Chapter 2. Verse 21. It says, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So how? How do we do it? How are we supposed to do this? Each time it talks about Jesus' baptism, it mentions it in the context of immersion. The word baptism means to fully cover, to immerse. At the Grove Church, we choose this way to do it. I believe that this was the way that Jesus did it in the Jordan River. And I can't find any reason in Scripture to not do it this way. But here's the truth. I don't think God cares about the way as much as he cares about the heart. You can be dunked in the river and go fully under and it mean absolutely nothing to you. And you can be sprinkled and it can mean the whole world to you. And in God's economy, that means the world to him. But if the reason you won't be immersed is pride or you're holding on to something, man, I already did that. I'm not doing it again. Instead of the spirit that says, All right, let's do it. I'm in. There's probably something deeper going on. We believe scripture teaches immersion. Jesus went fully under and then he came out of. And so we do it this way. But not to minimize other ways because we believe it's about the heart. When do you do it? When you believe and understand who Christ is. John spoke of a new baptism, a baptism for believers. This is the baptism that comes after you believe. Now hear me. This does not undo infant baptism or or child baptism or make it any less significant. This is a new baptism. It would represent something new, wouldn't it? How many of you here remember your infant baptism? How many of you? None of you? All right. None of you, I. Your parents probably do. I bet it was very special to them, very significant to them. That is not undone. As a believer, you come to Christ in submission. You are identifying with him, and that means something to you. And it may unlock things in your life. Baptism does not save you, but Jesus tells us to do it. Nowhere in scripture can you read where there are people who come to faith and believe in Christ and don't get baptized Except where? Anyone? Bible scholars? Where? Does someone come to faith? Where? The thief on the cross looks to Jesus. 
and says, remember me this day when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus turns to him and says, you will surely be with me in paradise. I bet if they could have called time out and come off the cross, he would have been baptized in that moment. So how, when, how about why? Why should I get baptized? Acts chapter 8. All right, so you got Philip. He's going about his normal way, his, his agenda. God's put him on a journey. He's on his agenda. He wants to do it his way. Verse uh, 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now that's not the normal way he goes. He, that wasn't a part of his agenda, but God showed up and said, You're going, going to go this way now. And so he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian, a eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in a chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said. Unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come in and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture he was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. Like a lamb before the shearer is silent. He did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch... Asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or, or someone else? And then Philip began the, the great commission with that very passage of scripture. He told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came upon some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave the orders to stop the chariot. And then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the river to the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. In other translation, it says, why shouldn't I? What's to stop me? Why should I not be baptized? There's water right there. My hope is that we move from a posture of, of why should I? To why wouldn't I? What possible reason do I have to not do it? I'm going to invite the band to join me on stage. I'm going to close with this. Moses, when he was leading God's people out of captivity through the wilderness, there was a moment where, where he leaves them behind and he goes up on the, on the mountain to be with God. And so he's up there for a little while, and this is where he's, he's getting the Ten Commandments from, from God. And the people are down there, and they start grumbling. They're saying, we're, we're done with Moses. We're, we're done with his God. We need a new God, and so let's collect everyone's jewelry. And they melt it down, and they create an idol with it. And they start worshiping this idol. And Moses comes down, and he, he drops the tablets, right? He's like, what are you doing? 
I can't leave you alone for one minute. Are you with me or not? Are you, are you following God or not? Are you willing to submit and tell the world that you're following God? So what is keeping you from doing this? I'm going to invite everyone to stand. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to, ask you to close your eyes. I want to close with prayer. I don't normally do this, but I, I want you to do this with me. So close your eyes with me. And I want to talk about a couple things. Some of you might feel defensive in this moment. I'm asking you to let down your guard just for a moment. Maybe you're here and you've never crossed over to faith. Scripture tells us that anyone who calls out on the Lord will be saved. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me in your heart. God, today I confess I am a sinner. I admit that I cannot do this alone. I cannot follow the commandments. But I believe Jesus did. And I believe that through his sacrifice on the cross, you can save me, whatever that means. So I ask for your forgiveness. And I want to receive new life. Maybe you're here and you've had a faith moment already, but you've never got to the place of submission to be baptized this way. I want you, before you leave, to commit to being baptized two weeks from today. Jesus gave us an example, told us to do this. Why wouldn't we? We're going to close with this song. I invite you to sing and worship God.